everybody if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain it's free there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on spotify apple podcast and many more you can make money on your podcast with no minimum listenership it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Extra Duty. My name is Josh Maria. I'm Ken Norvell. And welcome to tonight. Honestly, tonight's episode is a little bit dear to me personally. Um, so tonight we have with us, as you guys can already see or not see, uh, tonight we have with us um, Sergeant First Class Reyes. Now, Sergeant First Class Reyes is my mentor uh, for the past like six, seven months now. He has got, you know, he's he's had my back nonstop. He is a phenomenal NCO that I've seen, that he's seen me grow uh, from what I was to what I am now, especially when I first got here. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergeant First Class Reyes is currently a, uh, about to retire uh, next year. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. So what's up, Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Reyes? Hey, how's everybody doing out there today? We are living the dream. Um, so Sergeant Reyes, obviously, um, you've been hearing about my podcast because I, I talk about it way, way too much. <laughs> <laughs> um but we you know we we I wanted you on the show so badly because obviously mental health is obviously a huge thing for you. Um you've experienced so much in your career and I and I know that you can bring so much more knowledge that soldiers would need to know and want to know um to this day and age like on the podcast. It's the best way to do it. <laughs> uh so sorry t- give us a little intro well, I about appreciate yourself. That. Um, so 42, just turned 42 this past, uh, February on the 23rd, 42, enlisted in the army back in 1998, June 18, oh. to be exact, to be 23 years. I'm one year away from retirement. Uh, been married for almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years in September of this year. Another uh, long one. Kids, two who are not a long one. Uh, to uh, four kids all together, two that are grown and been out of the house for years, and then the two youngest who are uh, 18 and uh, 15, uh, respectively. Um, so I'll be graduating high school this year, so that leaves the, the girl and she's the last one out of the house. Um, been to four combat tours, Iraq in 03, uh, Afghanistan in 05, 06, 07, 08, and 09, 10. And then had a little bit of a stretch, did three years of recruiting, and uh, been with uh, 18th Field Artillery for the last five years, deployed to Dubai in 2019. And I'm getting ready to close shop with this uh, master driver for the brigade uh, position and um, getting ready to uh, go see what the rest of the world has to offer as a civilian. Now, for those that don't know, Sergeant First Class Reyes is uh, the brigade master driver of where we currently work. And uh, I'm an instructor. Technically, now I'm his right hand man. He can't do anything without me and take all the notes. <laughs> he can't survive without me. He yeah, forgot all his appointments. Very important. He doesn't pee without me doing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so Sarpa Reyes is the he is the uh, he is the ma the master driver. And but when I say master driver, I mean the master driver. I watch this man back up an entire LMTV. No, well, yeah, uh, an entire LMTV fashion ever through that control testing site that we created. Um, so Sarpa Reyes, um, I I'm th thank you for coming on the show. And obviously, I'm gonna jump right into it because that's what I do. Uh, I definitely I'm gonna be asking some hard questions if if you don't feel comfortable answering them. Um, it's fine, but you know, communication is all that, that we need. Um, so Sergeant Reyes, obviously mental health has been affected you in, in, in a certain way. Would you want to kind of tell the listeners that we have out there, um, excuse me, something that you have possibly, you've, you've gone through, um, mental health wise? I guess so. So I, the, the most significant October 17th, 2003, I got ID. Um, I was in a convoy, not my unit. I was with uh, 112 Infantry out of Fort ID. We were um, helping, we were recovering one of our vehicles that had got an ID a couple of days prior. And uh, on the way back, they asked us if, uh, if we could pull rear security because that unit did not use high caliber weapons on their convoys. But usually all their gun trucks were like 249s, which a small automatic weapon is not going to really give you a lot of punch in a firefight if you need to. But yeah. um, so we had a 50 cal in our trucks. Our patrols are never letting through the gate without a, without anything lower than a 50 cal. So we took the rear of the convoy, and uh, right about 15 minutes before we got to the um, to the base, uh, we got hit with an ID. Went off right up underneath and between me and my PC, and went through the truck. Um, me, my gunner, and my PC got ejected from the vehicle, and uh, it was uh, it was definitely. Uh, a very impactful moment in my career and at that moment you don't think about anything except just the moment it took me a long time and many years for me to come to terms with what really had happened and it wasn't until last august uh, i want to say august we had a class and i always speak as you know the id and yeah. tactics and techniques class and um there was a she's a specialist now uh, back then she was a pfc pfc specialist brown now She's a behavioral health specialist with our unit, and she pulled me to the side after the class and she asked me if I had ever talked to anybody or seen anybody about, you know, what I had been through. And I told her that, no, not really, I never really had. And she encouraged me to, and she said if there's anything that she could do to help me, she, you know, make an appointment that she would. And I think what struck me the most about that is that after all the years that I've been in the Army, that nobody had really, really sat me down and or even said anything to me like, like try to push me, even my mentors. Like, I think all of us, most of the people that I know in the Army that went through all that stuff, we're all in the same place. We talk about it to each other, but I don't think anybody's like, hey, have you gone, got help? Um, it was one of those things that was really taboo back in those days. Um, once you went down that route, like leadership-wise, you would be very limited to what you could do as a leader because uh, they kind of looked down upon it a little bit. And um, so I waited until now and it was probably the best decision that I made. Um, it definitely shaped out my life a lot. Um, but that was like the catalyst. That was probably like the one point in my life in my career that I had something very significant happen to me and it shaped who I became as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a soldier, as a leader for years to come. Uh, geez, sorry. Um, I, I know that I know that that's tough. Because um, I mean, we all need that. We all need that push. I think that what happens with a lot of us is 
um, we we don't talk about the things that we have issues with. We keep it inside. I mean, just recently, I just made my first appointment at uh, Behavioral Health. Um, you know, and that's like months after my father died. That's months after everything that I went through happened. Because um, I, I I don't know. I just it took it took Sergeant Reyes literally slapping me essentially uh not not actually slapping me he can't hit me but you know metaphorically no he he gave me a tongue lashing that i needed (laughs) he gave me the tongue lashing i needed and and you know it it put me in the right direction yeah no i mean we all grow together as people and we can't some sometimes we just can't see the warning side that a lot of other people see we need those people in our lives who can look at us and say Hey, you need to go get help. Yeah. Because you're starting to act different or you're a little bit more heated than you usually are, or you have a shorter temper than normal. It could it could be even anything, some small things that we may not notice. Because when we were talking with uh, Colonel Mondragon, yeah, yeah. You know, he was talking about how sometimes uh, that mental shift isn't always into like a, a depressive behavior, it can be a very positive one. Yeah. And, you know, usually when someone has a positive behavior, it's not bad. But no. It never hurts to ask. Of, of course. And you always got to ask somebody. I mean, obviously, like Sarvea said, um, you know, him himself, him looking for leaders back then. And that was obviously in the past. That was that was years ago, many years ago. The Army's obviously developed new programs and new leadership styles that can effectively help soldiers. People first. And, you know, obviously now, you know, there's still that stigma. Because I, I think me and you had this conversation once before, Sergeant Reyes. I always said that, you know, that old army mentality, quote unquote, is what, you know, a lot of these leaders hold on to. And it makes it hard for soldiers to go get help. You know, and me and you, we debated about that a little bit. And, you know, what, what's your opinion about that, honestly? No, I mean, I totally agree. Um, I think as as I progressed through the army, those, those I think those early years after, the, after Iraq, um, and I obviously discussed this with my behavioral uh, health specialist, uh, my doctor. I took a lot of what happened to me and I kind of bottled it up and used it. And the one thing that's different about men and women is that us men, we are very good at compartmentalizing things for the most part. We can put things in boxes. We can put things, kind of shove that thing down the basement or put it in the attic, put it away because we do not want that to come out because we want to remain the same person that we were even though we know we've changed we're not mm-hmm. willing to accept that and we're definitely not going to be forthcoming or honest with others especially those loved ones but those loved ones are the ones that know us the best um you know my mother my wife my children like they all throughout the years could tell and my wife would tell me that all the time that she noticed that i wasn't the same person that i was and it took me for me to sit down and actually talk to somebody and you know i remember uh, Captain Henninger is my behavioral specialist and she told me, she said, look, the one thing that's going to be a little bit frustrating at first is, you know, she used, uh, we use that metaphor about putting things uh, in shelves and in the boxes. And she said, what we're going to have to do, she said, and you're not going to, all those things that you've neatly organized throughout all these years, and we're going to have to throw it all on the ground and just make a mess of it. And that kind of, you know, I was very anxious about that part of the of the process because you you know me you've known me for a little bit now and you know that i'm a very organized person like i get i get a little bit frustrated yeah i get frustrated (laughs) at things out of place even if 
you know, when people, you might have noticed this, but when people come to my desk, uh, so I moved it. I moved your desk. I moved that book on your desk an inch, and you came at me for it. Yes, I'm tracking, sorry. I am tracking. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I mean, that was that was that was something that I already had inside of me about being organized before I came in the army. But um, I think it got amplified a lot more, and I think my PTSD really like would really show itself during those moments. But um, so that was like my tipping point, and I had to learn, like, hey, you have to let that go. You have to, you know, just let. You have to go through this process. And as I was going through the process, I started understanding, like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. You know, I was like, it's going to be okay. You just need to be patient, and you need to let them, you know need to let this doctor help you so as i was going through the process uh, i started finding that person that i that i had buried because i felt and it, sometimes we use that piece of us that we found to try to get us through the next moment and during the peak of my deployments after iraq you know I could have been medically chapter, medically reclassed. I could have been, you know, put out the army for whatever reason. And I, I fought that uh, hard to stay into the army because I had to prove something to myself. You know, uh, a lot of people would, were telling me like, get out, you know, don't stay in, you know, take take the benefits, go do something else with your life. And I was so hard headed and so driven to prove me wrong, me wrong, that I just kept pushing through it and kept pushing through it. and. It didn't necessarily make it, make it, I did it. I should have addressed this years ago. Yeah. And, and I just, I didn't address it and it took me a long time, but it drove me as a leader. Um, and I, I still feel in my heart that I did a lot of good throughout all those years, but um, I think that I could have done better had I had those tools that I have now. And, and Awesome, and I'm, you know, and you know this. I'm, I'm very adamant about helping soldiers find a better place, do a better thing. You know, communicate. Don't hide behind oh, I'm too macho. I'm better than everybody else. I don't need. To, I don't need help. Everybody needs help. Yeah. The whole notion, the whole notion that you don't need help, I think is foolish. Um, that's a lot more uh, pride, prideful than anything else. And pride is not going to get you anywhere. Pride is going to get you eventually um, hurt. So. Yeah, I think behavioral health is really, it's really, it changed me this last year. I mean, and I don't know, and I'll ask you because you've been around me since last year. And it was usually, you, I taught you in your class, it was in July, and then August was when that soldier came to me, when Brown came to me. Yeah. Have you noticed anything different in me? I guess I, I should ask you because you've been around me the longest. So, so when it comes, yes, I, there's been a huge change. Um, so a lot of the things, so one of the things that I've really noticed is the way that, um, you're, you, you don't get upset as much you've, and, and by upset, I mean, you don't let certain things bother you anymore and it's gotten a little bit easier. Um, when, you know, especially with, you know, I, um, when you have your, you, you have your days, your Mondays, you know, when, you, when your Mondays, when you super forgetful and all that. Yeah. <laughs> See, last year you got, you know, you used to get mad about that, you know, <laughs> that you yeah, had you bad Mondays. Bad, yeah. But now you understand that it's a Monday, you laugh it off. And I've seen the difference. It's a huge difference. Um, and honestly, it's it's good to see it. Um, I know I know that for a fact. It's very good to see it. And I know that when you get out, it's going to be freaking awesome. 
and, um, that, and that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that I can use the things that I'm learning because I think that I can be a productive civilian. And I think that's, you know, when you look at our veterans from Vietnam, they weren't treated good. You know, I was telling my son about, uh, we have a, um, a friend of the family that lives in Virginia. My wife's family is from Virginia. And uh, <coughs> they, everybody used to call him brother. You know, he was the, the neighborhood friendly guy that used to live across the street from her grandparents. Had. And um, the man was a combat medic, did three tours in Vietnam. So you can only imagine the things that he saw, the things that he saw and the things that he was previewed to. Um, and before I went to Iraq, I remember we went down there and we visited uh, before we left for Italy. And then obviously subsequently going to Iraq. And I didn't understand, you know, I, not even the look on his face or even some of the things that he would say. It wasn't until after I came back from Iraq and I think we were in Virginia, maybe like in 04 or 05 or something like that, or 06. And I saw him and I had already been through two deployments. So it must have been probably like 06. And it was different. He had that look on his face like, now I know you know. You know, like he, I, I, I looked at his eyes and he looked at mine and I could tell that he was like, yep, now you understand what I was trying to tell you, but I wasn't really speaking it in words. And that was, to me, that was extremely, uh, that was a powerful moment for me because our Vietnam veterans were not taken care of. And they're the ones that really pushed hard for us to get better treatment when we were coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. They were instrumental in making sure that we did not suffer the same treatment, both psychologically, mentally, and physically. Um, and then the recovery process that they had to endure because they were mistreated because, you know, Vietnam was not a not a popular conflict in our american history yeah and you know the our country was divided in, in whether we want you know wanted our troops down there not wanting our troops down there and a lot of americans blame you know we blame um the troops more so than anybody else and it wasn't their fault you know no, you know you're told you're, you're told what to do so you're sorry about uh, about that um with the with the um civilian side of it right do you feel as if civilians and do you feel like because i my, my goal here is to rehumanize uh, soldiers to rehumanize the military um in, in the sense to not 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 uh stopping our effectiveness but to understanding that our effectiveness is halted when we are not mentally secure right um and i mean i, I know norval had a question yeah so um you know, you're, I guess, what we would classify as one of the old breeds. Um, right. With how you've come through the Army and this past year with you getting the help that you need, in your own words, you know, how, how can we fix and shift the ideal or the idea that mental health is something that we shouldn't be talking about? And how would you, like, what would be your ideal plan for changing it so that mental health is a bigger aspect of our lives Sorry. that's a good question no that's that's a great question um i i would probably say that the first thing that we need to do is we need to start uh, and i said this years ago when i was when i was in recruiting i think one of the first places we need to start is at the recruiting level allowing you know really focusing on making sure that these kids that are coming into the army these young adults uh, understand what they're about to get into, like what this process is really going to be like, and you know, helping them, helping their families understand it. Um, but I think another um, important part of this is that my generation, um, my generation is the last generation from that era 
And we have to be that bridge between the incoming generation and my generation that's leaving the army. Uh, we have to build that. We have to build that bridge to allow for the incoming soldiers to understand that while you know the army may not seem like a busy place right now. You know, you have a pandemic. Uh, there's a lot of isolation. So this generation mm -hmm. is in it with a whole new set of circumstances and yeah. things that we didn't deal with when I was coming through. Um, and we, you know, and, and Maria and I have shared a lot of stories with the soldiers. And we tell them all the time, like, hey, look, it's not going to be like this. Combat is going to be like that. But one thing I've always made sure that they understand is like, look, every generation has a set of circumstances and has a set of challenges. Having said that, it is encompassing of the outgoing generation to ensure that we place the new generation in a good place to succeed. Yeah. And if we're not doing that, then it doesn't matter how well the army prepares us if 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 the leadership doesn't understand. And I think leaders are getting better. You know, my generation is hard-headed just like the generation before me and so forth yeah. and so on. You're always going to have those individuals. And it was funny because um, um, we took the, we always take a class on week two on Wednesdays to go um, to go to the heat trainer. And there's a gentleman that works there. He's a he's old school. Super. We were talking about the new change in regulations with the earrings and female hair wear and all that stuff. And I was talking to it with a couple of the NCOs and another another instructor from the place that used to be in our brigade a long time ago. And um, <laughs> it was funny because we were all having a good conversation. And the other guy was, you could tell that he was way too old. School. He was like, the army is going to get weak, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was just fussing about the whole thing. And I think me five years ago, three years ago, I would have been in the same place. Like, yeah, you're right, man. The army's going soft. This is horrible. But I've changed. I'm not the same person that I was five years ago, uh, let alone a year ago. So I was there sitting there telling him, like, we have to change. You have to change. In order for, in order for us to move forward, we have to be able to, to be willing to change. If you're yeah. gonna, if you're going to, if you're going to fast cook pork, which takes a long time, a longer time to cook. Yeah, it's not going to come out right. You're going to have uh, you're going to have a bad meal in your hands now. If you slow cook it and you take your time and you develop the flavors, when it's done, you're going to be satisfied with the outcome. And the same goes with soldiers. The same goes with leadership. The same goes with parenting, with life. If you take your time and you develop and cultivate good things are going to come out so to answer your question directly my generation has to do a good job at cultivating that incoming generation we have to put them in a good position to succeed do you feel like that that's been the case honestly i, I think it's a 50 50 um because no, i agree with to, that i can agree with to, that today um remember I, I think i told you today i was sitting in uh, with sergeant major reynolds that they're doing the steel crucible of the brigade and it's basically like this in briefing for incoming um uh, new uh, officers and um uh incoming ncos into the unit primarily leaders so basically it's like a leadership and he was talking about discipline now sergeant major reynolds came in the army two years prior to me and he's old school but you've been around him and you know you've been able by just listening to him you can tell what type of leader he's energetic he yes. loves it but he is not phenomenal phenomenal he is not that type of leader like he was he changed and you can see it too yeah, you can you can, you can see, see it changes. like the the way so i talked to him up today about the podcast i actually brought it up yeah. to him you yeah, know I was, just i was kind of listening to it too, yeah, just you know about. just asking i asked him hey what do you think about mental health and he he just gave me it all he told me from top to bottom suicides this that and the third and honest to god 
it, it, it showed me like there. And the thing is, I'm not anti good leader. I'm not anti leader. I'm not, I've never been that. What I am is anti. I feel like the, the bad apples in the bunch is what I say it every time. I, I've been saying it since fucking episode one, mm-hmm. you know, toxic leaders breed toxic soldiers to become toxic leaders. And so, and leaders who do not teach soldiers that this it's okay to be hurt. It's okay to feel some type of way. It's okay to go get help. Okay. Right. With, yep. you know, those leaders that do that great, but the leaders that keep that old army mentality when they're not old army, you get what I'm saying? Like they just got their yeah. E7, E8 telling them in their ear, you know, those are the leaders I have an issue with. Because if you're a first sergeant, you have to change. If you're a sergeant major, you have to change. There's no changing. Like there's no stopping that because if not, you're done. But that platoon sergeant, that random floating E8, those I feel like are the ones that are giving us a hard time, especially when we're trying to get soldiers, the you know, get soldiers right. You know, it's the same thing with the policies that the army puts out. There are some great policies out there. Oh, yes. People first. This is my squad. Yes. These are hand in hand. They really help. The This is my squad. It's great for transparency. We can show the people around us, the soldiers' families. This is what we've been doing over the past week. You know, this is the way that we're developing your spouse, brother, husband, whatever it is. Uh, And then people first is you know what tim's is showing yeah is short for this in my squad and those are great great policies the yeah. idea of we need to take the same you know mission first people always and to change it to people first mission always yeah and again they're great the problem comes with people and seeing it as just another checkbox so that we can go back. And, and I feel like I've seen that a lot. Uh, in, in the past few years, I've seen check the block. Right. And check the block leaders, check the block units or wh- whatever you want to call it. Being a check the block place is not going to help soldiers. No, it's really not. It's you, not. Have to, you have to want to care. Yes. In order to fulfill the, uh, well, I should say obligation, but fulfill the purpose behind these policies yeah you have to want to care and it's it's difficult to find a solution to well how do we make people care how do we make people want to be these kinds of leaders that put that effort and time into their soldiers that's a good question for sergeant reyes to answer how do we make people how do we make people care old guy so it, and, and that was a great comment that uh, that you just made. Um, you know, you have to want to care. Uh, I think you've heard me say this so many times. I say I say it about the driver training program. Yeah. The, own, the the reason why this program or anything in the army or anything in life is successful is because you put your passion and your 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 everything you have in it. Yes, absolutely. That's yeah. and, and that's extremely hard for a lot of people to do because some people are just like you said, check the box. I'm just going to get this done. I'm going to clock in. But even now that we're transitioning, I tell people like, hey, look, don't work past 1700 if you don't have to. Go home, spend time with your family. That is not checking the box and saying I came in and did work. It's what is the quality of the work that you put in from 9 to 5 o'clock? Did you actually accomplish great things? Did you do something? And um, in order for you to do that, you can't teach that's the, the only problem in life is that you can't teach passion no you can't teach commitment you either have it or you don't you either care or you don't yeah. uh, 
I personally, professionally made a commitment a long time ago that even if I missed here or missed there, that I wanted to affect somebody's life in a positive way. And I've been doing that since I was younger, just because I think that's instinctive in me. My mother taught me that when I was a very, very young child. And uh, to, to, to this day, I still have people that hit me up. Um, just had one of my old soldiers from Iraq. He asked me for a, you know, if I could, uh, he's getting a job at one of the elementary schools here as, um, oh, I think wow. he's gonna be a, a monitor, a hallway monitor. And, you know, he got out the army with issues to PTSD and stuff like yeah. that. And he and I love him to death because he's one of my old soldiers. But he was like, hey, you know, do you mind? You know, he was like, he's always so so silly because he sent me an email. He's like, you know, our text, do you mind, you know, speaking, you know, like, you know, saying some good things about me? And I was like, I said, I don't have to mind and I'm not going to mind because I know what type of person you are. Yeah. It's the connection that I made with people because I wanted to care. And you've heard me say this to every single class that we've graduated, that you've been around. My number, I put my phone number up there for a reason. If anybody oh, yeah. ever needs anything, I they don't care what you. it is, they can call me. And and I've challenged, and you've heard me say this too. I think, do you remember the night that we were doing night drivers training? And um, and, the, and a lot of the soldiers, AC, this is one of the earlier classes, the ACHs were just not right. Base plays weren't properly put on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Missing this, and I was getting very frustrated. And I called out all those soldiers and COs. Yes, you did. And then, and then mm. I turned around and I said, and I called you guys out about something. And I remember Sergeant Clark got a little bit upset. Yeah. And um, but one thing about me and Sergeant Clark, I have a I have a great relationship with her, like I do with you, because you guys know that I care about you. I'm going to challenge you to do better. But if I have to call myself out or call you guys out, I'll do that because that's what real leaders do. Real leaders have no. the ability to say, oh, yeah. you know what, I'm not perfect. I'm gonna make mistakes, but I'm gonna hold myself accountable as much as I'm gonna hold everyone accountable. And I think that, to answer the question, it's a lot about accountability. Yeah. And if you don't have accountability for yourself and you don't have accountability for those around you, then you're not gonna get to the, to the, to the matter the matter at hand and substituting it with poor leadership and and all the other stuff that that's just like masking the problem and trying to see if we can patch it up and get to the next place or i'll push this soldier to the next sergeant or the next leader and they'll, take and they'll care figure of it. it out yeah they'll figure and it they'll out figure it out and that's 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 not the answer you're not going to figure it out tackling the problem now i get it everybody is you can't help everybody i've i've i haven't been able to help every single soldier in the mode i've i've lost some soldiers to to the civilian sector, I've lost some soldiers to combat, I've lost some soldiers to suicide. And of course, a part of you always thinks like, man, could I have done more? Should I have said this different? Hey, um, and yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, would I be able to ask you a, a you know, obviously uh, it's, it, it's an in-depth question. It's a no hold back type question. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. What? What? What's the? Um. When you in your experience, you know, obviously being deployed and whatnot. What's something that stuck with you and hasn't left you, even though you've been through counseling, you've been going through your help. What's something that stuck with you? Um. I mean, I think it would be easy for me to say that the thing about Iraq stuck with me. That's. I think anybody that's dealt with anything like that doesn't leave you, but. Um, I think the one thing that stuck with me the most over the years, and it's something that, I, that to this day I, I'm, I still kind of wrestle with. Um, my last deployment, um, we lost a soldier, and he was the last soldier that arrived to the unit. His name is, um, uh, and I'll say is because you know sometimes I even have uh, 
not difficulty, but sometimes I don't refer to him in the past tense. But um, his name is Sergeant Ian Gillick. And um, good soldier. He showed up as an E4 to the unit. And he was coming from one of the other units across the 30th seat. And he showed up on the 4th of July. And, um, you know, Staff Sergeant Tommy Johnson brings him to me. And we're talking to him because the platoon sergeant's not there. So I talked to him. You know, he's really looking forward about deployment. He had just come back from Iraq a year prior. So now he's going to go to Afghanistan, you know. So we deployed. And... Halfway through the deployment, we get a chance to split our combo in two and me and this other staff sergeant, my battle buddy, we get a chance to kind of move combos around and lead the combos ourselves with our platoon sergeant, kind of like overseeing both of the clips. And one afternoon, um, the day before, one afternoon, he calls us into the, into the hooch and we're talking and he says, hey, there's going to be a combo tomorrow. And we knew that there wasn't a convoy plan, but apparently the bosses of the battalion level and I don't know if it was above them, but they wanted to go down the road to the spot to watch a Purple Heart presentation. Now, all of us in that hooch had a problem with that for the simple fact that um, there was no reason to put that convoy on the road in our minds, unless we were pushing logistical supplies or something like that. To go yeah. see somebody put on a Purple Heart like that's to me, that wasn't a reason to put a convoy. And I was very much against it that night. And so much against it that I told the platoon sergeant, like, I'm not with it. Like, I don't, I don't blah, blah, blah. I just don't agree with this. And my battle buddy, he's, you know, being the trooper that he is, he's like, hey, Ray, don't worry about it, man. I'll take the combo. I'll take your soldiers. If you give me half of yours, I'll take half of mine and I'll take it. And I was like, all right, bro. Yeah, too easy. So the vehicle that he rides in has Sergeant Gillick at the gunner's turn. At the time, he was a specialist. Our commander, who's a lieutenant colonel now, um, the driver and then a couple, I think it was another passenger in the back. And as they're crossing this bridge, they get hit by a beaver. Runs the vehicle right off the bridge. It was a damn it. And Fucking the even. gunner, our gunner was facing away from the blast. So he got hit from the back of the head. Um, we were sitting inside the hooch and it was me, the platoon sergeant and the Southern E6. And the weirdest thing, you know, I felt something. I didn't know what it was, but I felt something. Something was off. Just, I don't know what it was. I get up from my hooch. I open my door and all three of us slept in the same hooch. Uh, one across from another. We all came out at the same time. And we were all looking at each other like, something is wrong. And we all kept saying it like, something is not right. And then one of us said, where's the convo right now? Where The convo should be on the other side. That's the first thing that we said. And not even like a couple of minutes later, a runner comes into the talk and says the convoy got hit with an ID. He didn't give us enough. As soon as we heard that, you know, the platoon sergeant didn't have to say anything. Me and, me and the other E6, we started running. We went to grab soldiers. We started putting the convoy together. Within less than 10 minutes, we had the entire second unit at the gate, loaded up, weapons ready, ready to go out the door. And they would not give us permission to leave. Looking at it in hindsight, obviously, because they just we were got emotionally, hit. Yeah. we were emotionally invested. So we were not the right, we were not the right. Yeah, I wasn't the right people they, to go they, out there. Yeah. And years mm, past, you're not using your brain. When, yeah. And the years past, you've had units that have gone out there and they've taken it personal and shot up whole towns because they thought they were doing something right. So um, nothing, nothing against that decision. We we felt like we could go, but they wouldn't let us go. So Platoon Sergeant is losing his mind. He's cussing up a storm. He's cussing people. We're cussing people. Everybody's name. Finally, we get word that the, that the vehicle that the commander was in got hit. And then finally, the word comes that we lost Gillick. 
And of course, all the younger soldiers were destroyed. All of terrifying. them because they hang out with him every day. They're crying. People are crying. People are sobbing. It's and terrifying finally, at that point. Yeah. And me and this other staff sergeant. And you might have, do you remember when we were in the motor pool one day? I don't know if you were there or not, but uh, I had a staff, there was a, a gentleman that came down to the motor pool to see me. He had uh, a dog with him. Was it a dog or two dogs? It's an African-American guy, kind of tall. Oh, no. Nah, he was the guy. He, so he was, he was, he's, he's, he's still around here. He's retired. He was, he was part of that clip. So we're standing there and he was like, Ray, we got to do something. Because we knew that the soldiers were just about to go into a hole. So we grabbed them together and we said, hey, we get, I gave him that stern talk like, hey, look, I got it. We're going to have a time to grieve. I said, it's not right now. So it's not this second. It's not right now. I said, so, you know, instinctively in the army, we have a, we, we have part of us. We, we have to compartmentalize even if we don't want to, because the mission oh, has to yeah. keep going. You know, like, and it's part of us. I think, and it's kind of, you know, like that, that we have to, we have to do that. Um, so fast forward, you know, um, later that day, you know, we get everybody back. We finally see my battle buddy, you know, he's in the infirmary and the commander, you know, is in the infirmary. So everybody's fine, except the soldier that we lose. So then the two, first sergeant is like, hey, um, uh, retired Sergeant Major Knight comes to me and he says, hey, Reyes, uh, Commander, the Colonel and the Sergeant Major want to see you. And they want to see me for what? So I go over there and they're like, they decided that they wanted to choose me to escort the remains of my soldier all the way back to California. Now, of course, I'm a staff sergeant, I'm an NCO. The first thing out of my mouth is like, of course I'll do it. Um, but, you know, there was so many things that were going through my mind and just, I couldn't process it fast enough. Yeah. So I get on a plane, you know, uh, I try to get on the same plane that he would, we both went out on the same plane, but then, when we get to the next place, he got boarded and I couldn't get on, I couldn't get a seat on there. So I was one flight behind him. So I get to the States, I go straight to here to brag. I get all situated and everything. I uh, get over the paperwork done. They brief me at the CAC office and then I fly to Dover. Uh, so I got my uniform the whole nine and I meet him at Dover and they brief you in this room. So if you've never done this and for anybody that's listening, the ones that have done it, they know exactly what I'm talking about. The, one that have, the ones that haven't, it's a very eerie emotional and very taxing on your mind and your body experience and you don't know because you've never done it. you know at, at that at that moment you don't know what to expect because you don't you've never been in that position so i get to dover you know i go into this room the following morning i get a room um the day the day the next morning early in the morning i show up over there car comes and picks me up they take me to dover and um we receive the remains so they do this whole you know this whole ceremonial thing to bring them off you know, they salute, they bring him in, and then they brief me. And yeah. it's a lengthy briefing up. And it, obviously, everything that is expected of me as the escort. Go through the whole process. You know, they tell you about the dog tags. You know, there's two dog tags. One is labeled yeah. head. The other one is labeled foot. The whole nine. So yeah, yeah. go through the whole process. You And like, and they tell me, you have to make sure the head always leaves. The head always leaves. The head always is like, you know, they, they keep reiterating these points. So they put me in the small plane. Um... Like one of those, one of those uh, small jet type planes, like you know, like can carry probably like twelve people at best, I think. Yeah. Um, but they had nothing in the back, so when I was sitting down, I could see the pilot and the co-pilot, and as as I would turn over my shoulder, my soldier was right here. So like I rode with him all the way to the next place, and then all the way to California. And mind you, we're going all the way from New Jersey or Philadelphia all the way down to um, California. 
So yeah. we had to stop at least once to get fuel. Um, Maria, that started on, uh, I think when we got to California, it was a Monday. Sunday night or Monday morning. And we didn't bury him until Saturday. Uh, his family was Catholic, so they were going, if you know anything about Catholics when they're buried, they go through a lengthy process of viewing the body and paying respects. Yeah, yeah, um, we did that for my pops. We, we did yeah. that for him too. I grew up Catholic, so I had an idea and a notion about it. But it was extremely emotional the whole week, not meeting all his family. And the hardest thing for me was talking to his family and, and you know, because they wanted to know what happened. And, and it's very hard when you're having to sit there and explain to the to to a family, you know, you know, your son was doing his job. You know, he did he did his part in yeah. this ugly thing that we call war. And um such a great family, awesome family over there in California. Um but so we go through the process, I come back, you know, they asked me to speak in the eulogy uh, in his eulogy, that was hard. We bury him and his memorial comes up every year in march yeah and though as the years go by because i haven't been able to go back and visit it gets harder and harder a lot of people post out. i'm not able to post i can't like i can bring myself to post anything online i see everybody posting everybody talking about it yeah and i get that sometimes sometimes i feel like i'm being um unfair to his memory and sometimes i feel like you know mm -hmm. That is the way that I I'm trying to deal with it until I can actually go back over there and visit him because I haven't right. seen him since we buried him in 2010. But um, sometimes or 2009, it's extremely it's extremely taxing on your on your mind when you try to move on with things that you know you should put behind you so that you can become more effective in other places but part of you is not willing or ready to kind of let go of the thing and as it pertains to mental health as it pertains to people talking about their problems and getting help and everything that we've been talking about um you know i knew that i had to get through certain stations and, and everybody has all you know the things that they have to get through but you have to address each one of them separately yeah. I couldn't couple everything together when I was talking to the behavioral health specialist, and you can, you know, yeah. I, you know, I talked about Iraq. You know, I, I, we, we, I'm finally moving, moving past that. Um, you know, I told you you were there the other day. I think it was last week or the week before when I ran into the soldier that was in the truck with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a warrant officer, yeah, yeah, yeah. officer now. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, she. 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 No, you go ahead. Tell it. I mean, that, that story was wild. Every time I hear she, it. She. She. Well, so because of the blast came from behind her because she was obviously facing the rear of the convoy. The blast catapulted her out of the vehicle. Like she literally threw the entire length of the bed of the truck yeah. and landed in the middle of the road. And the fact that she's still alive, the fact that she was able to become a staff sergeant promotable in the army and then drop a word not officer packet and then go fly Kiowas. And she's married and she has a life and she and she's doing exactly what she wanted to do. You know, that is extremely special in its own oh yeah it um, shows it shows just shows that resilience that she had it shows that that just that pure that willpower and there's something exactly. i wanted to bring up to you real quick uh like uh, a yeah. touch back on you know uh, when you said that you don't like to post right because you felt like you wasn't messing with his memory you know this is this if uh, you know um this is not just for you this is for pretty much anybody out there just because you don't post about it don't mean shit 
You know, you get what I'm saying? Because I, I started seeing that a lot. The the 22 a day, I, I went on a huge so, rant about that. So the 22 a day is not a bad thing. By no, any means it's not. Or by any means. Um, 22 a day is a symbol of wanting to do something to change. Things, yes. To bring awareness to this issue. The problem comes when people are doing it just to get attention. Just doing it for clout. It's the same thing that we were talking about. You should do it because you care about it, not yep. because you want to get attention. And to go back to not posting something, it shouldn't matter. I mean, I'm I, not going to say that. No, it shouldn't matter because shouldn't I don't matter. What should matter is how you choose to honor that soul. Exactly. How you choose to not. Because I don't. Po- I, my father's birthday was just recent. I don't post about my father's birthday. I don't even post about my, my wedding anniversary or my birthday or my wife's. Like, it's not important as long as I do it in my own way. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's part of why I got rid of social media in general, just because it became such that it, it was. Facebook was just full of people yes. posting different political ideals and so left and right wing. Yeah, it's so extreme that I just couldn't handle it anymore. And posting is such, it's Twitter, the thing. Twitter ha- just becomes a massive cesspool in my eyes of opinion. Hey, 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 we have Twitter followers. Don't do that. Sorry, <laughs> but I think Twitter is not a good place. Instagram. I think that I think that yeah, it's not a good I think it's not good when it's not being like it's not a social media it's a competition to see who can get the most likes I think that's I think that's where we're at right now especially and and sorry I think that when you talk about these soldiers that is the best way to show who these soldiers were that's the best way to like because with soldiers we don't get a parade we don't get a day we don't get um, people posting about us on social media, so everybody talks about it. We're not talked about on the news. The only way that we can change is by starting the change. And, and and that's why the main, like I said, the reason why we're here, we're not, we don't, we can't do much. What what are we? We we we're, we're a couple of podcasters. We're we're a couple of soldiers who decided to do a podcast. Right, but I mean, if we were following. Uh, but you know what? What you guys are doing is you're showing everybody out there that's willing to listen to your podcast that you care. And the stigma that was around in the army is um, the stigma that's out in the army or was in the army was that, you know, showing mental weakness was showing that you couldn't be an effective leader. Yeah. And that's not and that's not the case. I think that was a very warped reality that we created for ourselves in the army. And there's better ways of doing things. There's better ways of being a soldier. There's better ways of being a leader. There's better ways of parenting. There's very ways of talking to people, of dealing with problems. And sometimes we try to get through life instead of being in life. Yeah. That, that's you don't understand that. because, And then as you get older, you know, you start realizing your mortality. I didn't understand that when I was coming up in the army. And even after I got um, ID, you know, I tested my mortality in the subsequent deployments because I thought that I was part of my brain thought that I was indestructible. So yeah. I put myself in more risks on deployments because I felt that I needed to prove something, but I I didn't understand what I was doing. And as as the years have gone by, I've realized just how much how much how much pain and suffering not only that I put myself through, but I put everybody that was around me because that your inability to deal with your problems can hurt other people. Yes, and that and that's what and I think as you as you deal with your mental um health issues you have to understand that it's not just about you 
it's others that are affected in, in our military career you know like i told you guys earlier you know i've been married for almost 20 years now and that it puts puts a lot of stress on your on your on your on your loved ones on your wives on your husbands on your children and they don't understand and for a lot of us it's very hard to try to explain you know and maria you know this because you know you know you've seen a lot of stuff when you were deployed it's very hard to put that into words to somebody that hasn't been in there you know hasn't been in that environment it hasn't you know the smells you know what what things smell like what they look like and sometimes there's triggers and not everybody realizes what the triggers are and definitely a lot of people don't even know the triggers yeah you could just be having a regular moment and all of a sudden there's a trigger you know when after i got id there was one thing that would happen to me a lot and a, a lot of people that have been through ids know this you know the percussion that the noise is kind of like when you when you throw in a flashback you know you get that that first you know like you can't hear nothing it's like coming out of a club after you've been next to the speakers and everything is just like completely deaf and i tell soldiers you know if you put your hands to your ears and you try to talk and hear that echo you can barely hear your voice that's what it felt like for me and there were times where there would be specific sounds i don't even know what the sound is but whatever decimal that sound was it would set off in my head and in my ears and there were times where i would literally like have to stop and hold on to something because the whole room would get dizzy and i could hear it and then i could then all of a sudden the smell would just come back and the taste of that day and it's the weirdest thing to try to explain to somebody what that is like it's like you know i can i don't know what it was like for those folks that were in that theater in colorado that got shot up all those years ago i'm sure that they have post traumatic stress because they experienced such a violent day all those people that love loved ones during september uh during 9/11 you know yeah. the traumatic stress that they went through people that you know traumatic stress is not or post traumatic stress is not an army condition it's not a soldier no. condition it's a everyone it something it's a everyone condition and i think the army kind of coined that phrase for many years but everybody deals with that you know i may deal with that different than others you know i lost two uncles in the last 3 years and my mother has not been able to let it go like in in, in the catholic faith you know she celebrates their birthdays every year the day that they left the, the earth every year and i can't and yeah. i had to sit down and have a conversation with my mom and i was like mom i can't like as I, i honor them because i remember them i think about all the good times but i just can't bring myself to do it and going back to your point and i know that uh, both of you were talking about it there's nothing wrong but there's also a lot of right you yeah. have to find the middle and you have to find what's good while honoring those who are no longer with us but not having to put yourself yourself to something that you're not ready to kind of deal with does that make sense oh yeah Absolutely. yeah no like i don't think i could i don't think said it anyway yeah said that any better than that that's like the perfect example of i think what a lot of people with PTSD deal with is yeah and just losing soldiers yeah being stuck like that up once is sometimes you just can't Well, look, sorry. Uh it looks like we're we're a little bit over on time, but I'm actually all right with it. <laughs> no, I, I love this. <laughs> no, this was a perfect. It was great. Come in, I'm always a little grumpy at first. You're always grumpy. Oh yeah. Literally this happiness that he's on now is going to go away in six minutes. That's just miserable. I'm just like uh, It's your fault. Yeah. Look, um for hey, for all the listeners out there, you guys can uh, watch us on YouTube. You guys can check us out on every major platforming site that uh, does po- uh, podcasting. 
Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe. Check every, you know all the click all the boxes. Um, if you guys follow us on Instagram, you can find the uh, link tree app uh, position that we got, and you can go ahead and click on that. Um, Maria, and it takes you to all our links. I want to say thank you to both of you for having me on tonight. I really appreciate it. What you guys are doing is great. I told you that from day one when you told me that you were planning on doing this. And I think that you are going to help a lot of people. And even if it's one person that that is changed or, or someone's life is better because of what you're doing, that, that's all that matters. One, one, one life to, to, to save, one life to, to, to evolve, one life to improve is, is definitely better. And um, to the point of... I think a lot of people think that men are not really good at multitasking. I'm definitely going to send you a picture of this chicken stew that I've been making while I've been doing this with you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, I was like, we've been watching you. We've been watching you whipping it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I will send a picture of the finished product once I put the rice and I put it on a plate. I'm going to send the finished product. You can attach it to the thing tonight and be like, look, you can't multitask. And I probably wouldn't be able to do this like a couple of years ago uh, because my hey, brain was all over the place. It's going to be on the thumbnail. Place. It's going to be on the thumbnail for YouTube. And people are going to be like, oh, shit. He actually put it as a thumbnail for YouTube after they listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, honestly, sorry, it was great having you on. Um, obviously, I'm gonna have to go back to work tomorrow and see you, but <laughs> um, look, um, for all those out there, look, you guys aren't you guys aren't alone. This is not a moment, it's a movement, and we're here to make a change, even if we gotta do it one step at a time. But I will make this change, and so will North Mac and, and all the other leaders and soldiers. There, there needs to be a change. Absolutely, we care not agree. because the army tells us to, but because we as people have seen either people fall down that road or we ourselves have fallen down into that hole and we don't want that to happen to anybody else mm -hmm. or we want to throw you a rope and help you climb out of that hole oh yes um thank you guys um sorry reyes uh, you mind signing out of extra duty um for everybody that's out there extra duty signing off tonight we appreciate you being on and these guys will see you next time and i will see you down the road all right all right, guys, this is Josh Maria. And this is Mac, Mac Norvell. And remember, this is not a moment, it's a movement. You are not alone in your fight. Good night. Good night.